Um, it's kind of um, labeled the Passion Week. So the Passion Week, the, um, we've been talking a little bit about the week of um, what he went through to bring hope to this world. And so today we're going to talk a little bit about Vic, Jesus victorious over death, hell, and the grave. Jesus victorious over death, hell, and the grave. And we'll just talk a little bit. I believe that it's very good to just kind of reason this out. Uh, this is not a preaching session I'll preach for you Sunday morning. But today we're just going to reason the, with what has transpired uh, over 2,000 years ago, what, what Christ did for us. So we'll reason it out tonight and talk about our Lord being victorious over death, hell, and the grave. I think more than anything else tonight, what we will talk about will help us to understand. Sometimes we dismiss some thoughts like they're not real. We dismiss some things, some actions that we read about in the Bible. Can I tell you, maybe you do this sometimes, but when 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 there's a hard saying in the Bible, we kind of dismiss it. We kind of, you know, like browse over it almost like, well, OK. And we don't make that marinate. We don't stop and try to get understanding of why that's there and what it's really saying. And if it's a hard saying, do I need to work a little bit more and getting that right in my life? I think we kind of skip over and just feel like, well, I'm doing all the other stuff. So, you know, that if I'm not doing that one, well, that's not that bad. But that's not the way the Lord work. That's how we work in our thinking, but we need to look at everything we come across in the word of God, in the preaching, the teaching. We need to examine all of it because once you have been taught it, you are responsible to understand it and live it. So we'll take our text tonight. We'll, uh, two couple of texts we'll share with you. First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 57 through 58. We'll talk about that verse and then we'll go to Revelation chapter 1, verse 8. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 57, it says this, But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. That's a mouthful. I appreciate uh, the scripture says, be steadfast, unmovable, abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord, what you do for God is not in vain. I always remember the text that says God owes no man nothing. What it means is you will never be able to do something for God and God don't repay you more than what you deserve. Because he will not owe anybody anything. You will not be able to say, well, I did this for God. And he didn't. No, 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 no. He doesn't operate like that. You might decide to do something for him and he blesses you and you still alienate him. But he will never not take care of you when you do what he says. He can't help himself but to do it that way. Revelations chapter 1 verse 8 says, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is and which was, and which is to come, the Almighty. So, there's a couple of things there that, that, that the scripture is telling us, but I want us to focus on verse 57 in 1 Corinthians, where it says, But thanks be to God, which giveth 
us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So we give God thanks as we prayed tonight. We gave him thanks. One of the reasons why we're giving him thanks is because he has given us the opportunity to be victorious over hell, or we should say death, hell, and the grave. Jesus Christ has given us, key word, opportunity. Because there's many a people that will not take advantage of the opportunity has given us to be victorious. So whatever that faces you, whatever challenges that you have, God is giving us, has given us the opportunity to be victorious in that particular situation. We just have to take advantage of the opportunity. And so you cannot be defeated because your God was not defeated. You cannot lose because your God did not lose. Yes, you will suffer sometimes. Yes, you will be disappointed. Yes, you will experience sorrow. Yes, you will experience hurt. But you can't lose. Isn't the race about winning anyway? Isn't it about the ending of the story? Isn't it? How many of you read a story and, it, and it's real good, but you stop and says, I don't want to know the end. It's about the ending anyway. So while we're in between and we're challenged and we're experiencing these different things, let's not end the race while we're in the middle of the race. We will experience victory if we will take advantage of the opportunity that he has given us through him defeating death, hell, and the grave. Now, I'm going to say some things to you tonight that's going to probably make you get going your shell but don't 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 let me lose you because there's good news at the end of the story okay <laughs> all right so here we go we all make our way through this life with the assurance that we will not get out alive all of us here we're living this life knowing we won't get out of it alive. Death is certain. The only way you get out of this life alive, which I've been saying since I got saved that that's what's going to happen to me, is the rapture will take place. And all you would do is be changed, but you won't die. Some people will say, well, you actually did die because you got rid of this flesh. But what I'm saying is death is certain. That's how we're going to leave this life. If the rapture take place right now and we are right with God, it means in a twinkling of an eye, our bodies will change and we will take on this incorruptible body that will ascend to the heavens. So in that case, yeah, we will kind of escape death, but for the body to change is still considered death. So we will not get out of this life alive. We, ne we need to embrace that. We're, we're, we're going to. Now, so barring the rapture for those of us that are living for God, we are each certain to face the transition called death. Now, that's important. That word transition is important. Death is a transition. Death is a transition. 
Hebrews 9.27 says this, As, and as it is appointed unto man once to die, but after this the judgment. So the Bible says everyone will die once, no matter who you are. So again, we will not get out of this life alive. We're going to die. Tell your neighbor you're going to die. Get comfortable with it. Mm-hmm. I tell you one thing. I will tell you this much. The more I studied today's lesson, the more I became comfortable with death. I will tell you that. Death is frightening. Tell your neighbor, death is frightening. There is no reason to deny that death is frightening. Now, certainly the fear produced by death is different for born-again believers than it is for people that are not born again. Oh, yeah. It's different. The Bible talks about death. Where is thy sting? The sting of death is sin. So if we are living for God, death don't sting us. It's a little bit different for us that are believers than it is for those that are not believers. So death is frightening. Here's a few reasons why death is frightening. From our limited earthly perspective, death seems final. From our limited Earthly perspective, death seems to be final. You feel like when I die, that's it. Just done. When the last breath is drawn out of our body, all our activities, all our pursuits, all our ambitions, and all our dreams is all gone. It comes to an end. There will be no more time to pursue a degree. Get our finances in order. Mend broken relationships or tell loved ones we love them. Those opportunities will stop with the beats of the heart. You need to tell someone you love them. You need to tell your loved one you love them. You need to tell people you love them. I love you, baby. Can I tell you a dream? I'm going to tell my wife a dream in front of the church. This just made me start thinking about it. I just started thinking about it. I was in a dream the other day, and I dreamt that my wife says, she don't want to be with me no more. I was scared to death. I don't know what in the world happened. I'm like, I was speechless. I was like, I didn't know what to say, Big D. I'm like, what? You know, it's one of those things you can't get mad, you can't fuss, you can't, you can't say nothing. You just. I should have told her in the morning, but I didn't tell her, you know, because men is just hard headed. I should have told her in the morning. <laughs> Daryl laughed at me. But I, I woke up that morning somber. <laughs> I, I woke up that morning, I said, man, I love my wife. I ain't tell nobody as I talk to myself. I love my wife, man. I don't want her, I don't want her not being with me. No.
You'll never hear me say that. Maybe before that dream, I would say, if you're that man, go ahead and leave. I don't care if you don't want to be with me because I just think I'm tough. I can handle everything. No, I don't want to handle it. I don't want to handle my wife leaving me. I'm, I'm good. Take a, I got him, I'm sweating on that one. I don't even want to talk about that. <laughs> but the bottom line is death is certain. And we all going to die. And the bottom line is whatever we don't get to do while we're living here in this earth, we won't do after we die. This place in earth is different from any other place we will ever be. And so we get opportunities here in the earth to live a certain kind of life. And if you don't take full advantage of the life that God has given you, you are just wasting time. We got to love each other. We got to take advantage of opportunities. We got to get to doing what we need to be doing and stop waiting. We need to treat each other real good. I, I can't get over it. God died for every one of us. And we can't treat someone like God didn't die for them. That's how we act sometimes. That is bothering me. It's really driving me crazy. We act like we're just a little bit special than the next person. We always want to act like we're better than someone else, that God died for me. But he didn't die for you, but he died for me because I'm special. Why do we carry that around? And we might not say that because we will sound like idiots saying that, but we act like it. Like God died for you, but he didn't die for me. When he went to Calvary, it was for you, just wasn't for me. I don't have a hope. I don't have any hope because it wasn't me that he died for. He only died for you. We can't live like that, man. Which means if he died for all of us, I no matter how... Challenging things are for you, no matter how much you get on my nerves. My mindset has to be, how can I help you to be the best you can be in God? Because we all need to be going to the same place. Because he died for all of us. We got to be working with each other, helping each other. But that's not how we look at it most of the time. Most people approach, or most people who approach that day, want just a little more time. When death is near, you said, just give me a little bit more time. We want to do a little bit more. Well, maybe if we would have handled our situation the right way before death got close, we wouldn't be asking for more time. What are the, can, can anybody tell me what are some of the things that people regret when they're near death? Some of the things that you think people regret. Yes. Not living their dream of what they want to do. That's exactly right. Ooh, that's a tough one because I wonder if they sit there, lay there and think, I didn't serve God. Or do you get to the place where you start thinking, maybe he'll have just a little bit more? Well, I look at it like this. Uh-huh. Me and my husband used to talk about that all the time. We got to go back to church. Mm-hmm. Go back to church. Mm-hmm. But he never got the chance because he died in his sleep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. when you're on your deathbed, mm-hmm. I think people do think that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Unfulfilled relationship. Can I tell you, I got a preaching tape from Because of the Times. Some of you may have heard it. This guy preached at Because of the Times about what happened to him. Man, every time I think about it, I just... But 
he is the leader of a oneness organization, not our organization, but another Pentecostal organization. His name is Robert Martin. And just think of him being the superintendent of an organization. And he preached one year because of the times about his dad used to help out around the church, but he was never a Christian. But he had good skills, carpentry. He was very good. And he would help out around the church. He would build things in the church. And it was great. But he wouldn't give his life to God for whatever reason. You know, everybody operate on different time of how they feel. The only thing is you pray and hope that that person don't lose out on life before they give their life to God. And so Brother Martin, you know, he, he knows he's a soul winner. So he understands, you know, I'm praying for my dad. I'm loving my dad. My dad is coming to church, but he's, he hasn't been baptized in Jesus name. He don't have the Holy Ghost, but he's coming to church and he's helping out. And so one day an evangelist came and preached. And I won't get into the, the details of this, but evangelists, most of the time, because it's their job, they feel like whenever they preach, something needs to happen. And if something don't happen, some of them would try to force something to happen. And sometimes it's not God. And so this evangelist showed up and preached. And he was trying to get people to come to the altar and give their life to God. And this preacher's dad was there that day, that night. And he didn't go to the altar. And the evangelist says, Mr. Martin, you don't really love God. Because if you did, you would have came to the altar. Dad, stop coming to church. Dad, stop coming to church. Now dad is not doing no work in the church. Later on, dad got sick. Dad in the hospital. Dad on his deathbed. And the preacher says in front of 3,000 people, he says, I know y'all going to talk about me for this, but I'm just telling y'all how I felt. He got on his knees and begged God. I know he didn't baptize in Jesus' name. I know he don't have the Holy Ghost, but God, can you make an exception? Now, the Bible don't say, you know what the Bible says. He knew it. What I'm trying to tell you is the power of death. When people get to their place of death, how things start to work. And he started asking God stuff he know God couldn't do. God, can you make this exception? The story ended like this. That same evangelist had backslid after he said that. Can't do wrong and wrong don't come back to you. He had backslid out of church. And years, years, years after that, the same man as the leader of the organization, the preacher got restored and wanted to become a licensed minister in the organization where this man was now the head of. He didn't finish the story. Because he, what he was now faced with is to forgive that guy and give him a license to preach the gospel. A man that calls his dad to not go to heaven. Death ain't no joke. Death is no joke. We better deal with death now before it comes. Because it's too late when you're laying on the bed and you never really was living for God. And now all of a sudden you want God to make all kind of uh, consensus for you. It don't work that way. Another frightening aspect of death is that we have never had the opportunity to discuss the process with anyone who have experienced death. <laughs> right? Right? 
So, 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 so nobody died and like, like really came back and says, so here's how it went, right? I was on the bed. All of a sudden, it just went dark. So that's another reason why death is frightening to us because we, we don't have, we don't know. We're not able to learn about it and prepare for it. So that's another issue why it's frightening because we can't learn about it so we can prepare for it. The loved ones we lost to death were able, were, were, were not able to, to, we were not able to ask them questions of anything about death. How it feel? What did you see? What did you hear? Were you frightened? Where you are now, is it better than earth? We, we, we can't get, we have no answers to those things. Where you are now, is it better? Can I tell you all this? I know some of you might have had this. You lose your loved one and they leave here and you have a dream about them. That don't tell you nothing. Just forget it. God had this thing on lock. God, I have it on lock. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Because this is how this has been about what God is doing is. Trust me and follow me. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth. Don't worry about all the other stuff. You follow me and you're good. That's really what he's after. Because you know how we work? Once we understand how things work, we start coming up with our own plan. This is why he will not tell us about death. He's the only one that died and rose. Nobody else can tell you about death. I don't care what they tell you they saw or they felt or they heard. It's not from the Lord. You will not get any revelation about that. God will not give anybody an advantage. Because that's what it really comes down to. So, so let's say of, of all the people in the world, 8 billion people in the world, and he decide he wants, you know, a couple of us to get an idea of what death is all about, but nobody else will. That's a disadvantage or an advantage, whichever way you want to look at it. So the bottom line is none of us know. We would like to know, but we're frightened about death because we just don't know. Yes, ma'am. Mm-hmm. I'm not agreeing with it. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not agreeing with it. Everything about heaven and hell is in the Bible. If God began to tell us, listen, the greatest story of the Bible is in Luke chapter 16. Lazarus and the, and, and and the rich man. That's the Lord tell us about hell. So the bottom line is. I will not take the word of an individual because they think they had a dream or something or something or they think they knew no something. Let me just go to the book. And the book tells me, dude, lift up his eyes in hell and he was tormented. I need a fingertip of water to cool my tongue. 
Then the Bible talks about a great golf fix that you can't go to hell and ever get to heaven or you can't be in heaven and ever get to hell. So I just think that if people wrote it, it's just their thought about what they might feel about it from what they've read. God didn't show it to them. Yes. Guess what? We're going to talk about a little bit about how that all worked. Remember, I said death is a transition. It's not you're gone. It's a transition. transition because you can't die right. well we'll get into that yes sir I just did some studying about that and, and, and the bottom line is let me just say this the witch didn't bring the, the, the familiar spirit up the witch panicked when the familiar spirit of Saul came up and, and was like, the witch herself couldn't believe that it was happening. And the witch herself really got exposed when she thought she thought she was going to do something to throw him off. But she knew she can't raise no Saul from the dead. She knew that. She's a witch. The devil know what he's capable of, what he's not capable of. She knew she couldn't raise him from the dead. But still today, nobody really know if God did that. To just defy that witch because she got scared when she saw Saul came up. But it really, again, wasn't Saul. It was probably just the, 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 the spirit of Saul. I, 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 I don't know how to explain that really well. But I just know that the witch can't bring somebody up. And that's what stopped that story from going any further is no devil can raise anybody from the dead. Right? So that's how we know there's something there. And so whatever God decided was to do at that point, God was doing. But I don't have all the explanation to that one because every Bible scholar you talk to will still, they'll stumble a little bit over that. But what we all will agree on, no, rich, no witch can raise anybody from the dead. That's what we can agree on. Okay. All right. So let's get into it. But death is still unknown from our experiences and the unknown frightens us. We are troubled nearly any time we process through anything for the first time so whenever we don't have uh familiarity with anything whenever it's something for the first time that we're experiencing usually we are uncomfortable and we can be nervous think about your first day of school i don't know what them kids thought about first day of school um what they thought about some of, I guess they were happy a little bit, but they probably were a little nervous at the same time. Your first uh, day in college, what was that all about? Okay. Then you want to think about your first real major medical procedure. What was that all about? For some people flying, they were nervous. What was that all about? And it's not because you didn't trust, you know, the teachers, the doctors, the pilots, whatever it is. You trusted them, but you just never experienced that. And when you've never experienced something, you can get a little nervous and uncomfortable. So let's get into what is death. 
What is death? That's important tonight since we're talking about um, why death frightens us and what makes us nervous about death. Let's talk a little bit about death. What does it mean? Death is simply a part of this life. When Adam chose to rebel against the commandment of God, he introduced death into the world. From that day to this, it has remained as a constant for all humanity. These two scriptures are very important. Romans chapter 5 verse 12. Romans chapter 5 verse 12. I was writing my notes and I says, The life that we have to live today, don't get mad at God and thinking God is making things difficult for you. Who you need to get mad at? Uh-uh, Adam. <laughs> if you're looking for somebody to be mad at, because look at, look at what the scripture says. <laughs> Wherefore, verse 12, as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned because Adam's sin. Remember, Eve disobeyed a command, but Adam sinned because Adam received a word straight from God. So because of Adam's sin, we all sin and we all have to experience death like Adam experienced death. So the rules that God has set in place to save us. It's because of Adam. Because if Adam would have lived it out right, we wouldn't have to worry about that. So we could be mad and saying, man, living for God is so challenging. But guess what? It was one of us that sinned. And because one of us sinned, it's a problem. Now look at this. Now this is powerful. It might not be powerful to you, but this is powerful. So because of Adam, sin came into the world. Because of Adam, all of us Sin, all of us, nobody walk this earth or walking this earth has not sinned or have not sinned. All of us have sinned, but guess what? It's because Adam started it. So because Adam started, check this out. Here is why God had to become man, brother Sam. A man sinned and caused all mankind to sin. Romans chapter 5 verse 17. For if by one man's offense death reign by one much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ so what the Bible is telling us because a man sinned and caused the whole world to sin the only way we can have the opportunity to be saved would have to be by a man God played this game right and fair. This is why in Genesis chapter 3 verse 15, the scripture told us that, that, that God says, I will put enmity, enmity between the serpent and the woman. And it goes and talked about that the serpent head will bruise and the woman's son Heel will bruise. But the serpent head being bruised is destruction. The heel is just the wound, which is Christ being wounded on the cross. The bottom line is Christ, almighty God, had to become a man. There was no other way to restore order. Because who destroyed the order? 
So order could only be restored by man. So God had to become man. So now you know Jesus Christ, as much as he was God, he was man. Because he had to do that to save us. There was no other way to save us. We messed up. And so he had to undo what Adam did. <laughs> Let me tell you something. God is a bad dude. I don't know how he do these things. To our knowledge, only Enoch and Elijah have escaped this life without tasting death. But hold on. Their time is coming. They will taste death. If God, who became man, had to die, just settle it, everybody's going to die. Everybody's going to die. Because God came, became man, and he died. So, Enoch and Elijah, they haven't died yet. They got raptured up out of here, but they're going to come back and die. Because that's just the way it is. We should not dread it so much that we allow it to haunt our days. Let's not let death haunt our days. The American author and clergyman, Henry Van Dyke, wrote this. Some people are so afraid to die that they never begin to live. The fact that the end of our days will involve death should not prevent us from enjoying the wonders of living here and now. For when it comes to a committed follower of Jesus Christ, death is nothing more or less than the transition from an earthly realm to a heavenly one. So let me explain how death worked for you. Mankind, humankind, whatever you want to call it, we're made up of body, spirit, and soul. The body came from the ground, the dirt. That's who we are. We're dirt. Tell your neighbor you're dirt. So don't you act like you better than me. You're dirt. I don't care if you dark dirt, brown dirt. Clear dirt. I don't care what kind of dirt you are. But you're dirt. <laughs> we go crazy over something. We just, we're so silly. We can just know how God knows. We'll be fine because we're all dirt. That's what this, this frame is. This frame is dust. And so the Bible says, And God breathed the breath of life into man, and man became a living being. So body is the first part of who you are. It can go to the ground. Okay. Yes, Miss Anderson. Uh huh. No, don't, don't even, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even worry about it. Uh-huh. 
Netta say, forget that. We don't want no morphine. The Well, here's the story. Here's, here's how I'm going to look at it. Call me Dr. Wyatt. Yeah, but here's the story. Going back to the description of the body, the, the, who we are. Here's the story. Here's the story. Right? I'm not a nurse, but I'm going to tell you what I know, and it's going to make you get understanding. The physical frame, thus, the next thing that happens to us, the Bible says, the spirit goes back to who gave it. Your spirit is what keeps you alive. The spirit that you have in you is the breath of God. So when you die, what happens is this, this, this. God sucked the breath back out of you that he at the beginning. <laughs> so, so that's the way the Bible says that God breathed into our nostril the breath of life and man became a living soul. So when God breathed out, we, be, we started living. When he inhaled, we stopped living. <laughs> so man don't have that much power over anything. It's all about what God determines that he wants to do when he decides to do it. Every one of us, we have an appointed time. And nobody can stop it. So here's the thing now, the part that we're missing. So the breath go back to God, which means life is no longer in the body. But your soul is existing now. Oof. Your soul still exists. The question now is, where does your soul exist? Goes back to the text in the Bible, Luke chapter 16, about the rich man and Lazarus. Because when you die, automatically when you die, your soul either go in the presence of God or it goes to hell. Quickly. Just, just in the twinkling of an eye, once that, that breath go back to God, your soul now is Alert to either hell or the presence of God. That's the Bible. Your soul is either in hell when you leave here or you in the presence of God. Now the lake of fire comes later. Hell is the place where you get tormented until the lake of fire time comes. The Bible says in Luke chapter 16, in hell he lifted up his eyes. So when he died, we didn't read of a lot of transitioning after that. Once that breath is out of you, the transition is, now you transition to either hell or the presence of God. You don't get no time to work it out. This is why the Catholics started purgatory. Because they knew when you died, you didn't go to your final destination. You went to your transitional place. <laughs> you either went to hell, which is transitional, or in the presence of God, which is transitional. Because the presence of God don't really say you are in heaven. And hell is not the final place. The lake of fire is. So you're in transition. So they came up with this purgatory thing thinking we can do something to get you out of hell at that time, 
if you know, well, you know, you pay us some money, we'll pray the prayers of the saints, and now we can get you out of hell while you're there. But if you make it to the lake of fire, we can't get you out. But if you're in hell, we can get you out. That's what purgatory is. <laughs> oh Lord. Now you see why God don't tell us too much sometimes? Because we're going to come up with a whole bunch of crazy stuff to make it work for us. And it's not working. We just come up with madness. So that's what we're looking at when we're talking about when you die, the transition. So you transition into being the soul now, functioning as your soul. Because your soul is your reasoning. It's your mind. It's how you operate, how you think. That's your soul. That's your reasoning, who you are, what you like, what you don't like. That's who you are. That's your soul. That's what live on forever. Whatever comes from God. We're the only things that come from God. The reason why your soul can't die is because it came from God. Everything else was created, never come from God. But we came from God. He blew his breath into us and we became. So we can't die. We transition. We transition. So you're going to live forever. I don't know what that looked like. You're going to live forever. The question is, where will you live forever? But you're going to live forever. The physical body ceased to function as God created it to the spirit of man will simply go back to where it came. God and your soul will live on eternally in heaven realm or in hell or eventually lake of fire. As difficult as it may be to bid farewell to loved ones here, the reward that is gained surpasses any to be imagined. Paul understood this. He stated clearly uh, in the scripture in Philippians 1.21, For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Tomorrow, I'm at the Baptist church down here. They want me to say the last seven words, Into thine hands I commend my spirit. Uh, that's what Jesus' last words was on the cross. And one of the things I start thinking about when it comes down to what Jesus said is, listen, the only way you will be able to feel comfortable at the end to say, God, here I am, is what you've been living before you got to that place. You, 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 this is what I know about death, a little bit I know. The thing that you're most familiar with is the thing that you reason with, the last thing you reason with before you leave here. That's what I know. That's my little bit about death. Whatever it is was the most impactful thing in your life here on this earth. That's the last thing you think about before you leave here. Yes. I remember my grandmother, my great grandmother. She was ready to roll. I went up to the nursing home to see her. She's a Baptist. But, and I'm not telling you she went to heaven. I'm just telling you what the experience is, why I concluded this and so many other people. And I sat there with her and she said, let's read the Bible. She can barely move. Arthritis is killing her. And, I, and she said, let's go to John. And I start reading John. For God so loved the world. And we going down. Grandma started quoting verse by verse by verse by verse. She ain't had no Bible. And I'm reading it. And as I'm reading it, she quoting it. I said, Lord, this is crazy. She knew all of the verses. She put a lot of emphasis and a lot of effort in church. 
scriptures was important to her and she read a lot of scripture. I'm, again, I don't know where she went, but I'm telling you, she put so much emphasis on reading her word and the word of God that was in her life. That was the last thing she held on. That's what she, that's what was most, I know my great grandmom and she didn't mess with everybody. She didn't do a whole lot. She laid low. She was more to herself. But she went to church. When she died, whatever little bit of um, social security she had, it was going to the church. Church was her thing. So when she was ready to get up out of here, it was church that she thought about the most. When you're ready to leave here, it's the things that impacted your life the most, in the most powerful way, is what you're going to think about the most. So when Jesus says, into thine hand I commend my spirit... He lived his entire life to please the Father. So when time came, it was just so easy to just say, you got it now because I lived for you the whole time. This is what Paul is saying. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. It became nothing to Paul to say that because he lived his whole life here pleasing God. So he's saying, I don't care which way you want to go, God, because while I'm here, I'm living for you. When I go to, when I leave here, I'm in front of you. I'm in the presence of God. That's what make it easy. It don't work that way. Some people think that's why you know how we always have this conversation. Well, 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 what if I'm, I'm on my deathbed and I just ask for forgiveness? Will God just save me? You won't even think about that. This is back to what we started talking about earlier. You won't even think about it because whatever, what, what the story is we always heard about. Remember that story we always heard about that the guy uh, um, got sick with cancer? And, and came from smoking, and he was sick, and he knew he was going to die. And when they asked him what his last wish was, what did he say? Give me one more cigarette. We got to realize what's going on. We're learning a little bit here about death. Is that whatever it is that you treasured the most, had the greatest impact in your life, it will be easy to just transition to that when you leave here or you're about to leave. It's easy to say, into thine hands, I commend my spirit. It's easy to say, for me to live as Christ and to die as gain, because I lived it. That's all I know. I've said it long time ago and I'm learning myself as I'm standing before you and that is we need to start practicing this thing when fear come and you're frightened when challenges come in, only what you know will work go talk to Navy SEALs go talk to any kind of people that's trained to defend and protect when they get into jams the first thing they think about is their training so for us to think that I got it, I can just live any kind of way, and when I get frightened or the serious time come where death is close, I will know what to do, I beg to differ. Beg to differ. Whatever you are, whatever you have going in your life, that's what you will be willing to just easily just, just give up or say or give into because that's who you are. That's why Jesus says, into thine hands I commend my spirit. That's why the Apostle Paul said, to me to live is Christ to die is gain. Don't matter to me. Because he was living it out. So it's already a done deal. It has to be a done deal in your mind before it comes up. So we can't like straddle the fence or play the game and says, well, I know, I know you don't know. Mm-mm. There you go. There you go. 
You backslid because you weren't working hard at that relationship sometimes. So what happens, remember we talked about, we can go all over the place with this. Remember we talked about the reason why Peter denied Christ three times is because when he was supposed to be praying, he wasn't praying. So every failure we have in our life is a failure to not pray. So it's always about how we're living. And if we're living right, if we're doing right, we'll get there. But if we just neglect something and just think that eventually it will just click in or, or, or we'll just do it, we won't. We won't. It's very important to get into doing this every day. Make it your business. Make it who you are that you don't have to struggle to get it done. It's just who you are. It's a part of what you're doing. You know, it's like, it's like praying. You know, if I pray a whole lot, when, when even though I will be nervous and somebody say, can you pray for, you know, this, this, you know, whatever. I remember one time they had me pray on IMG. Remember that? I went on WIMG to pray and, and, you know, you was kind of nervous sitting in the seat. But once I started praying, man, I don't know. I just prayed. Cause that's what I do. That's how we got to live for God. Whatever it is that we are, however we just do it. Because it's how you're going to stand the test of times. It's how you're going to be able to make it. You can't just flip the switch. I'm just telling you, we can't flip the switch when it comes down to living for God. And that's what we're hoping that, you know, we, we tell ourselves, God is so good. He'll help me. He'll work. We can't flip the switch when living for God. It's going to be whatever is going on in your life is how you're going to just deal with your situations. It's not going to be a switch. Oh, I can get past this because I know God. How you know God if you ain't been giving him all the time you need to give him? Listen to this one. I love this scripture. Um, Philippians. The Apostle Paul went on to explain that as much as he wished to stay let me see where, where this, the, the text here. The, he went on to uh, explain that as much as he wished to stay here for the sake of the churches he influenced, the lure, the lure of heaven sounded far better. Listen to this text that the Apostle Paul um, um, said. And I might be having the text um, messed up here because that was Philippians 1.21. Okay, this is Philippians 1.23. Here's what Philippians 1.23 says. For I am in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. What Paul is telling you, that he lived this life so much that he realizes now who he is, which is where we need to try to get to. What Paul was saying is, I understand my purpose here on earth. His purpose was to start churches, encourage those that has taken over the churches to lead the churches, encourage them, write them letters, go and visit them. That was his purpose, reaching lost people. That was his purpose. And then when he find himself in a jam, when he find himself being persecuted by people, he says, listen, I'd rather just go to God right now because I know what waits for me. I know the life that is ahead of me in heaven However, God, I know you need me here to keep the gospel moving. 
So Paul's life was so consistent, consumed with the work of the ministry and doing the will of God that when it came to the challenging times and the frightening times and the scary times, he was like, what you going to do to me? Tell me what you're going to do to me. Because if you, if I die now, only thing, only, only people that's going to be happy that I die is Satan. That's how bold Paul, only the devil will be happy if he died because why? He's terrorizing his kingdom because he's snatching souls out of the kingdom of hell and reaching them for the Lord. So Paul knew his job and what he was doing. So if he left here, the only person that would be happy would be the devil. But the people in the church wouldn't be happy because he was the one encouraging them. So Paul is saying, my life that I'm living here on earth is for God. And to go in his presence, I'm still going to be with God. To me, it doesn't matter. But it's up to God. That's really what he was saying. To me, it doesn't matter what I do. Because either thing I do, I'm going to be with God. That's how we got to live it. We can't get it together and flip the switch and say, I got this. We got to get it right now. We got to realize that we need to get into it right now. Because death is certain. The transition is certain. And this, the question is going to be, where are you going to transition to? Where are you going to transition to? Because you can't do anything about it. It's a done deal. Jesus had the transition. Can I tell you this? And, and, and maybe I'm giving you a little bit of Sunday. This is how bad God is. So he died. This is why today is significant. Yesterday, today, tomorrow, and Saturday afternoon is, is significant. Here's a question for y'all. He died Wednesday afternoon. His soul went back to God. His spirit went back to God. His flesh went into the tomb. Right? They buried him. Where was his soul? Could be. Could be. Could be. I'm not, I'm not telling you wrong. Could be. But, 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 but could he have um, also been doing work still? Meaning his soul. Listen, we read about Jesus preaching to the spirits in the lower part of the earth. He could have been doing work while that body was laying he could have been doing work because his soul is still moving. It's still alive and living. Transition. Yes, ma'am. I don't want to confuse y'all, but I hope y'all get that. Yeah. Yeah. The only thing is we don't know the time. That's why I haven't gotten deep. I didn't want to go too deep. We don't know the time. Is it, is it when he was on, when he was buried, did he did that and all that stuff? But the point is I want you to see that your soul is still living while the breath went out of your body and your breath went back to God and your flesh is dead. Your soul still lives on. Where it is living and where it's functioning, that's a whole different story. You need to find out where yours is going to be. That's what we're talking about. All right. Death is the vehicle, I'm going to finish up here. Death is the vehicle of our ultimate healing and deliverance. This is why we need to embrace it. Sinead, you smile? Because that, that sounds good, right? So, so sometimes we don't get healing our body the way we want to. 
Sometimes the situations that we live in life, here's the story. Here's the, here's, um, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost. Oh, man. Some of the things we are dealing with as human beings, as Christians, you may deal with it till you die. Stop making it bigger than it is. Because you might deal with it till you die. The only time you're going to stop dealing with it, Brother D, is when you leave this earth. This is why death is deliverance sometimes. Death will deliver you from the pains in your body. And death will deliver you from the situation that you struggle with here in the earth. So you might be struggling with a situation for the rest of your life. How can I say that? The Apostle Paul went to God three times and says, Could you move this thorn from my side? And the Lord says, My grace is sufficient. So the Apostle Paul had to live with that thorn in his side all his life while he walked this earth. This is why it's important to understand. Don't let your problems and your trials and your situation get so big that you walk away because you might just have to deal with it until you die. I learned that. I grabbed that. I said, oh, okay, God, I got that. So, so killing yourself about, man, I can't deal with this no more. Killing yourself about, I ain't. Doing that no more. Just going crazy about what you want, what you will. And man, forget that. I got to do the will of God. My most important thing in life is to please God. And if it means that I got to carry some load with me that I'll probably create it on myself, I'm just going to carry it and stop crying and stop complaining because death will take me out of it one day. So I feel. So I feel. Not letting nothing try to stop me. Death's going to take it out of me. So God... You doing your thing now because I'm human like you. Listen, it's hard sometimes. You gonna cry sometimes. You gonna fuss sometimes. You don't feel like you want to give up sometimes. But I'm just telling you, don't you dare, because you might don't get over it until you die. Because death is how we get deliverance sometimes. Death is how we get healing sometimes. Death. Or the days leading up to it nearly always involve some measure of physical suffering and sorrow. But the process of death delivers the believer from all of that. Beyond the last breath, there is a place of paradise in which sickness and suffering have no part. We're going to, listen, if you're fortunate enough to live to 120, that is like a speck compared to eternity. So if I need to suffer for 120 years, it's okay compared to having a glorious life for all eternity. Man, do the math. Do the math. 120 years compared to eternity. It's no comparison. So you know what? I just got to deal with what I got to deal with. Every prayer for healing will be instantly answered when the physical body ceases to function. Every cry for deliverance from sin and evil will be answered in that instant when our natural life ends. The destination we will enjoy is one of complete triumph over all the obstacles we face. Victory is certain. Hmm. Now, I'm finishing up here. We've been talking about Jesus Christ conquering the grave, hell, 
and death. And let me tell you how we did it, because we may not have thought about this. The first Easter morning, Jesus established these three eternal truths. The first Easter morning. (laughs) The grave. The grave could not corrupt him. Every single body that has ever been placed in the ground begins the normal process of decomposition. Right, nurse? So when you naturally get buried, your, your body starts to decompose, right? This was particularly true back in the day because back in the day, they didn't, you know, get you on ice and, you know, embalm you and all that stuff. They had to drop you in that hole quickly because you started stinking. That's why the Bible says, after three days, Lazarus stinketh. So you start stinking quick and decompose quickly when you die. Jesus' body didn't decompose, but Lazarus' body did. Jesus' body did not decompose in three days, but Lazarus' body did. So the scripture is showing us how he was victorious over the grave. See, we never stopped thinking about that. We just thought he rose. But, but just think, his body never rocked. His body didn't become decomposed. But if it was you or me or Lazarus, it would have. So that's how he swallowed up that grave is because he's like, please, grave, you can't even make my body decompose. Get out of here. Now, you know what's the secret behind his body not decomposing? That's exactly right. He was the only one that never sinned, so his body could not decompose. Sin destroy your body. Physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Sin destroy us. This is why we don't realize that God, yes, he's disappointed when we sin, but it's really on us when we sin, when we sneak a sin. We sneak us in. They don't sneak us. God can see, but we. But that's how, Sister Stephanie. But that's how we do. We somehow can convince ourselves that we're gonna sneak the sin, and nobody gonna know, not even God. <laughs> and the only person we really mess with when we sin is us. <laughs> Me and Brother Tom was talking, and I laughed because. Uh, here's revelation that we never think about. So he's, he's telling me, and we're talking, he says, you know, you're trying to live right, and you're trying to do right, and you do right, and every once in a while these bad thoughts flash in your mind from your past, and you're like, where did that come from? Sin. I said, that's every one of us. Made me start, start thinking about this very subject I'm talking about now. That's nobody. We don't realize that when we sin, it really only affects us. So you sitting in church one day and preacher preaching and like preach preacher and just for a second then you stop and all of a sudden something you did bad flash in your mind. You're like, what? I'm in church. I'm praising the Lord. Why is this sin? <laughs> the quicker we can stop sinning and living for God, the less of those flashes we will have. That's the point. So if we can get on track, young people, if you can stop and just try to live as right as you can where you are, you will have less of those flashes. But if you do a whole lot of sinning, you're going to have a whole lot of flashes. <laughs> Can't get around it. This is why all have sinned. And this is why the Bible says, you know, sin, you know, if you sin, you will surely die. 
And if you do a whole lot of it, you know, I was talking to Brother Thomas, and if we keep doing a whole lot of it, it's going to just consume us, and we're just not going to be able to live for God. Because there's so much of it, we're allowing it to consume us. The other thing he defeated, he defeated hell. He triumphed, his triumph, triumphant resurrection sealed his hell's defeat for all of time. Satan had entered into Judas to set him in motion to execute, for execution of Jesus, but of all of hell's plan backfired when Christ rose with all power. See, Satan can scare people with death if they're not living for God. What they said, you heard about the, um, the, the guy that somebody held a gun to his head and he says, go ahead and shoot me. I'll be better off. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I want to go to God anyway real quick. So go ahead and shoot me. And the dude just ran away like, you crazy. He thought the person was crazy when the person said, just shoot me now. I go to God quicker. Didn't understand it. But that's where we have Satan all messed up. Is dude, if you work on trying to kill me and destroy me, I just get to get away from this life where my body, I don't have to worry about back pains. I don't want to worry about achy body. I don't have to worry about um, what we got, allergies. I don't have to worry about none of that devil if I die right now. I never forgot. Um, The first uh, baby funeral I did, man, God had to give me a revelation. Girl had her baby, and I worked with her too. Girl had her baby, and when she pushed out the baby, baby was dead. Stillbirth. And I had to do the funeral. And the Lord started helping me understand what I need to minister. And, and what, I, what, what God had laid on my heart, obviously, no baby goes to hell. All babies go to heaven. But the main thing he ministered to me about was that, guess what? That baby didn't have the opportunity to live a sinful, easy, uh, evil life and, and not make it to heaven. That's that's the main thing, you know. That baby was able to just 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 good get out of here. No sinful, evil life. Every we don't know, except for if we just keep living for God and just keep on selling out for God. We don't know we can go to the left and never make it back. That's real. That's real that we can be living for God and go to the left. And says, I'll make it back. God, you know, that's why we have repentance. So we can repent and get back right. But there is no telling if you're going to repent and get back. So the bottom line is, we got to stay focused and keep on going. And every time we realize we do something wrong, make it right quickly. Don't get quiet on me. That's, that's a tough one, but it's true. And so, if we live for God, the devil in trouble with us. Because he don't know what to do with us. First thing is, God is not, never going to let him kill us if we're doing the work of the Lord. So he can't kill us if we're doing the work of the Lord. I don't know what. We just make it miserable. What they said, misery love company. He's miserable. So he defeated hell and death could not hold him. Jesus physically arose. This was not just a disembodied spirit. The disciples did not interact with the ghost of Jesus. They touched him. They recognized him. They noted and examined his scars. They felt his touch and heard his voice. It was real. Jesus had done what what, what no other had done. Remember this about God. 
Other people were raised from the dead, but they died afterwards, right? So, so, so Jesus Christ is the only one that rose from the dead and live on forever and will never die. And because he has done that, we have the opportunity to have the same thing going. So he died and he rose and he's alive forever. This is why, what is it, Revelation 1 and 8? It talks about he's alive forever because he died and he rose and he's alive forever. However, everybody that died and rose that was risen, Brother Dibble talked about that eight people uh, rose from the dead, but they died afterwards. There's eight miracles of people raising from the dead, but they died afterwards. But Jesus, when he died, he rose and he's alive forever. Because that happened to him, that will happen to us. That's why it is important for everyone to possess the gift of the Holy Ghost. It's the Holy Ghost that will raise you up. It's the Holy Ghost that rose Jesus Christ up. We don't, we don't raise out of the grave. We don't raise up out of the earth when the rapture come any other way but by his spirit. The spirit of God is, is what does the work. That's why none of us can take credit for any of the work. What Brother Woodward said, I am not. But the I am is the one that do all the work. So it's the spirit of God that does all the work. We're just the ones that's just, he's working through, but it's the spirit that does the work. So it means that when it's time for the rapture to come or it's time for the dead to raise up, it's going to be done by the spirit. And you need to have the spirit in order to raise you up out of the grave, out of, because remember, you're going to get a, you're going to get a, get a body, a body that can't be corrupted. That's what happened at the rapture. Your body, you'll get a, 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 what is it called? Incorruptible body. Incorruptible body. And so the spirit of God is what raised us up out of this earth. You can't fly because you don't have an engine on you. You, don't, you can't fly because you don't have a wing on you. And birds can't fly to heaven. They can fly far up, but they can't fly to heaven. It's going to be the spirit of God that will do the work in our life. So we need the Holy Ghost to do the work in our life. The Holy Ghost will help us to conquer and do what needs to be done. The Holy Ghost will purify us and we will be led by the Holy Ghost. Any questions tonight on victory over death, hell, and the grave? You don't have to fear death. You don't have to worry about conquering death. All you have to do is obey God and you will overcome all of it. You don't have to fear death. Because God has shown you that he rose and you arise as well. But we got to live our life right. And we need to enjoy this time that we're here on earth. Enjoy each other. Help each other get to heaven. Any questions? Nurse, any questions back there? You good? Don't worry about the morphine stuff. Nobody killing nobody. I know they worry. I know, but don't, don't even worry about that. The, the, the Lord will do what he needs to do with them when he wants to do with them, you know. And sometimes the Lord is ready and we're not ready. That's, that's usually what happens. The Lord is ready to take folks. We're not ready for them to go, and we wrestle with that. Yeah, we're never ready for that. But if we will um, live, um, 
like, 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 I miss my mother-in-law, but man, oh man, I had a great relationship with her. Oh, man. I laugh at my, I laugh at my wife and my sister-in-laws and my brother-in-laws when I think about my mother-in-law. I was just talking, I was just thinking, either talking or thinking about her the other day, about um, all those Monday evenings where we go up there, make me nice dinners, give me good birthday presents. When she wanted me, uh, she gave me money for our anniversary. She didn't give it to my wife, she gave it to me. She said, here, you got some money. When she got sick, she didn't call her husband, she didn't call her children, she called me. I caught the bus to go see her. It makes a difference on the relationship you have with someone when God is ready for them. If you have a good relationship with them, when God is ready for them, it, it, it still hurts. It's still still disappointing. But 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 the relationship is what you smile about. I smile about my relationship with my mother-in-law all the time. I wish she was here to see her twin grandchildren. I wish she was here to for me and her to hang out. I don't know. Maybe my wife would be too extra jealous or something. She probably would. She probably would have. Probably not. I don't know. But me and my mother-in-law was tight. We was rolling. Oh, man. But I'll see her in heaven. That's my first soul. What they say? That's my, that's my first Bible study, my mother-in-law. That's my first Bible study. And she got baptized in Jesus' name, got filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. I was with her just chilling. She went to heaven because of our Bible study. Yeah. Amen. We had a good time. We had a good time. Yeah, we did. We did. Yep, yep, yep. That's what it's all about. Love each other. Encourage one another. Help people live for God. And uh, we'll make heaven our home. Let's stand.